Hey, we're Ginger and Jeremy Bolo. Welcome to the Hope We Hold podcast. Where we have weekly conversations around our family table to share the hope of Jesus. Well, hello, guys. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Hope We Hold podcast. Um, I'm Jeremy, here with my lovely wife, Ginger. Hey, guys. <laughs> and last week, Ginger shared her story of faith, how she kind of grew up in a Christian home and came to know Jesus. Um, and so this week, I wanted to share a bit of my story, and so I'm excited to do that. Uh, but first, we've got a busy week ahead of us, don't we? Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what is going to transpire. Hopefully, I will have a child by the end of the week. Yeah, your due date's this week. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's hard to believe that it's already here. I feel like the time has passed. Kind of, you know, you have seasons where it feels like it's passing kind of slow, but this pregnancy did fly by. I don't know if it's just because it's the second pregnancy or like I knew what to expect more so. I knew the stages, what to expect, and it was very similar to Felicity's. And so I think it could be due to that. Do you get it? Due to that. <laughs> I'm already, yeah, these mom jokes are coming. So it's like dad wow, jokes, mom, mom jokes. jokes. Yeah, that's that's a thing, I guess. But, I've never um, even heard of mom jokes. Do you think mom jokes are funnier than dad jokes? Probably. No, they're terrible. Really? I feel like they'd be way worse. No, I think they'd be better. You can't get worse than dad jokes. <laughs> yeah. But I think even over this time with the pandemic and everything, um, we stayed home a lot. And so I was able to rest a lot during this pregnancy, which was wonderful. We weren't, I wasn't running too crazy. Um, and so, but you're yeah. feeling strong and healthy. I'm feeling really good, which I'm thankful for. Um, I do wish I would have a few more contractions, maybe yeah. a little closer, but I'm thankful to be feeling amazing at this point. I was talking to my buddy Luis this morning and told him, you know, we're waiting on the baby any, any day now. And, uh, we were just commenting how sometimes we, as the guy can be more nervous than, than the girl. And <laughs> you were saying yesterday um, that you're really not that nervous. Maybe you should be more nervous, but you're yeah. you're ready. And I think that's just because, I mean, he, his words were, yeah, man, it shows you how strong women are. I mean, <laughs> it's just amazing. I'd be freaking out. I should be freaking out. I'm just not yet. And I no, think because you're 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 ready for it. Yeah, I guess I'm ready this. to have this baby. And um, I think you you rightfully could be nervous because you're going to be the only one in the hospital with me this time. We're oh, going yeah. to have a whole posse following me in Oh yeah. with mom and midwife and, you know, sister, friend, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be you. I've and had so, to take a refresher course and get up to speed on how to help you. Yep. Now, thankfully, there'll be doctors and stuff. Yes, doctors will be <laughs> around, <important>. nurses. <laughs> but you're going to be the main one in the room most yeah. of the time. So, I've Man, I've got to study up for this test. <laughs> Um, and you have a busy week too. Yeah, I've got some finals coming down. Um, we, by the time this episode airs, I'll have taken a Hebrew final. Mm. Um, and the difficult thing about that is I don't know the language. So it's a different <laughs> language. Yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to learn. Um, but yeah, I've got a, it's kind of crunch time. It's, it's funny how those things work out in life. You know, for my semester coming to an end here, um, you know, papers are due, tests are, are coming up. And of course, your due date is the week yes. of finals for me. Smack dab in the middle. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. But that's life. Yep. Life isn't predictable. So you got to roll with the punches. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome. I can't, I cannot wait to meet our little girl. 
I can't either. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to announce her name to everyone, to our family and friends. Yeah. And so... That'll be sweet. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, yeah, so a lot going on over here at the Volo Casa, um, but we've squeezed in some time to record another episode. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, babe. I, we, I was thinking we might... Um, I might have to find some other co-hosts for a few weeks and let you rest, but you told me couple days ago that it might actually be easy for you to kind of sit back and record yeah, some podcasts. I think maybe give me a couple, maybe a week or two off and then hopefully I'll be able to hop back in. Yeah. We'll see. Cause like I'll just be resting anyways. Yeah. Feet propped up. Might and as we'll be, be talking, talking anyways, right? <laughs> we just have to record it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So we are here at our family table, by the way. And um, somebody was just outside mowing the lawn. And we were worried that that was going to make some background noise. But then, you know what? It's 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 life. That's life. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys hear some some uh, weed Strange whackers noises. in the back, yeah, just know that that's outside our outside our house here. Um, but let's get into it. Okay, so I wanted to share my story. Uh, before we do, we do have another hope story uh, that Mara Mast shared with us. Um, so I want to read that real quick. And and Ginge, it's something that you and I can relate to. And so maybe we can talk for a minute or two about that. Um, but listen to what Mara asked. And Mara, thank you so much for sending this in. We really, we really appreciate your contribution. And we have a lot of hope stories on deck. Um, so we, we're excited to keep sharing those. Um, but this is what Mara, Mara wrote. Um, My husband and I started to try and start our family in March 2019. And after a year of trying and not having any luck, we decided to take a break. Well, March 2020, I was having some complications and went to the doctor who told me I was miscarrying. I was devastated. How can I be upset about losing a small five-week-old baby I didn't know I had? Well, I prayed and I prayed, and while we haven't gotten our sweet rainbow baby yet, God has given me such peace about the subject. Not yet is what I keep hearing him say. People ask me, how do you do it? You have such a positive attitude about it. But I have to tell them it's all God and his grace and his hope. Mm. Thank you, Mara, for sharing that. Yeah, that definitely... Um is close to my heart just hearing your story because we walked through the same thing um, with losing a little one. And I think just even, it doesn't matter how early that pregnancy is, it still is so difficult and painful, but it's encouraging just to hear how you are um, trusting in the Lord and even being able to share that and use, taking that opportunity to share the hope of Christ with people in the midst of that circumstance, um, when it is so difficult and you all are still in the midst of that, um, trial. And so thank you so much for opening up and sharing that with us. Yeah. And we'll pray for Mara as well, that the Lord does, uh, give, give you and your husband a child. Yes, for sure. Um, that's a, it's a wonderful gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately our hope is beyond these circumstances. And so um, we've, we've known couples who've, who've wanted children for years and the Lord eventually gives them a child. Uh, we've also known couples who've wanted children for years and, and they'll, they'll not be able to have a child. Um, and with each situation, God's grace is really wonderful and generous. And um, when our hope is in Him and beyond our circumstances, even a difficult circumstance like losing a child or losing a loved one, I was just... Uh, heard about a, a very dear brother uh, who pastors in in Arizona, um, who lost his five year old son, mm. 
to a tragic accident that actually involved him accidentally hitting his son with a car. Um, they were leaving uh, from vacation and um, just a really incredible, uh, incredibly sad story. And and the, the father, uh, who's a pastor, released a statement to his church and to his friends and loved ones um, about how they were doing. And I, I was just really couldn't hold back tears as I read the grace of God that's being given to them, where despite one of the most horrific circumstances you could imagine, uh, they're holding on to the hope they have that God is good and that he's ordaining all things for good for those who love him. Mm. And so uh, for Mara, for for that dear brother and his wife and family, for others, for all of you, uh, all of us going through ver- various circumstances, our hope is in who God is and what he's promised to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where we can find rest. Thanks for sharing that, Mara. Um well, we love hearing your stories, um, and uh, send those in to contact at hopewehold.com. You can also share your hope story, uh, tag us on social media at hopewehold, and hashtag our hope story, and we will check those out. Yeah, and if you all have enjoyed the podcast so far, we'd love it if you want to rate and review. Um, it's so encouraging hearing what you all have to say in your feedback, and even some questions that you might have for us or ideas for future episodes. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, that'd be really good. Well, let's get into it today. You shared your story last last week. Yes. So I want to hear your story, even though I've heard it over and over <laughs> again. I love hearing how the Lord has worked in your life, babe. And it's always just such encouragement to hear um, how he is still working in our lives all along the way. Anytime I hear a testimony from someone of how God has worked in their life, I'm always challenged and encouraged by that. And so we trust that it will be the same for you all listening to Jeremy's testimony today. Yeah, that's our prayer. And it's interesting, isn't it, hearing testimony. Testimony is sometimes a word we, we don't hear too often. Um, it can be like a courtroom language, right? Like somebody's yes. <laughs> giving a testimony. But when we use it as Christians, we're talking about how God has displayed his grace in our life. Right. Like what's our story of faith? Yeah. And you know what's interesting, babe, is you and I come from Christian homes, um, which were pretty tame. Mm -hmm. So our stories are not that crazy and riveting from a perspective of like, you know, I wasn't I wasn't in a in a violent gang, you know, on the verge of death. And then all of a sudden, you know, I had a radical experience because my car flipped over four times and, and the Lord woke me up to to who he is and I needed him. Those stories, when we hear those, we have a tendency to 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 clap and go, wow, that's now that's a story. Right. Now that's get that guy on stage or get that girl on stage. Mm-hmm. And they are glorious when the Lord takes people who've been really in the in the muck and mire of sin and in some radical way, saves them. Um, but the fascinating thing about all Christian testimonies is that they are all an equally miraculous event Mm -hmm. where God takes a sinner who doesn't love him, a sinner who's running away from him, a sinner who has no desire to serve him, and turns them from being a self-centered sinner into a Christ-centered saint. And that really is miraculous. Mm -hmm. And so um, my story kind of begins a lot like yours. Christian home, very faithful parents. Uh, My mother was, um, I, I call her a world-class violinist. She asks me not to. 
because she says she she doesn't want to put herself in the upper echelon. But but my mom was um, trained by Dorothy Delay, who was who was the the um, mentor for Itzhak Perlman, one of the greatest violinists in the world. And uh, my mom really had a, a wonderful rise in the music world as a violinist. Um, was touring touring uh, globally with the St. Louis Symphony. Um, just a really gifted uh, woman, and she met my father in inner city Philadelphia ministry. My dad was working with Cambodian refugees, making something like nine grand a year um, and living in a, like a, a just a, a kind of a beat up old apartment in, in, in Philadelphia. And she ends up meeting my father, falling in love, getting married. And that's where my story begins <laughs> <laughs> necessarily. Um, I had an older sister, older brother. Uh, but I grew up in a home where my parents were really focused on uh, raising us in the fear and admonition of the Lord, in the the awe and the the reverence and and love of love of God, and so my mom actually placed her career on the side for a bit um, to invest herself totally in my sister and my brother mm-hmm. and myself, which I can never thank her enough for. Yeah, that's um, incredible. She just gave herself to raising mm-hmm. us, and we never felt like we were second place. We never felt like her career was was tops. Um, and for my dad as well. I mean, he mm-hmm. was a pastor. He never let ministry get in the way of the family where we never mm-hmm. felt like we're second to ministry. Yeah. Um, we were always our parents' priority. That's amazing. I know you feel that yes, way too. Most definitely. I think that's, that's a, something for kids and especially kids, I think with parents in the ministry or in, um, other fields, even any child really, I guess just, feeling that they are the priority for their parents. And I think that love that's communicated through selfless sacrifice and giving of what you would desire to do with your time or what you would desire maybe, um, which I know they would desire to spend time with you, but it's like um, even with your mom's career, right. you know, it's it's a huge thing to take a break from that and to pour into your kids when they're not going to be able to repay you immediately, you know? Right. And the thing is, I, I, you know, I, I look at uh, my brother and my sister, both very successful in what they do. Um, and I just see my mom's fingerprints all over mm, that. Yeah. I mean, they are the product of a, a mother who invested herself yeah. and just poured into her kids. Mm. Um, so the depth of gratitude we feel, it's better than if we lived in a bigger house, had more flat screen TVs and nicer cars. Um, which some people feel compelled, like we need to provide our kids the best life in terms of those things possible. And that's a wonderful desire. And we want that for Felicity, right? Like I want to be able to take her on vacation and afford Christmas gifts and those kind of things. Um, but the, the the greatest investment is the investment of time oh, yes. and affection, energy, um, knowing that they have your full attention. Right. And I grew up in a house that was like that. And, you know, we went to church. My dad was the pastor of a church in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. And I just had that kind of typical, um, you know, pastor's kid upbringing, um, really sweet parents. Um, and for me, I, I had a moment when I was five years old, which was really interesting because as I tell my story, I don't know the exact time uh, and moment where Jesus made me his in the sense of when... When was that exact moment when he opened my eyes to seeing how beautiful he was and I fell in love with him and was was saved? The, the theological word is regeneration, the new birth that John chapter 3 talks about. I don't know exactly when that was. 
which is okay. Um, I think some of you listening may not know that exact moment either. Um, you know, my father has said, you don't need your birth certificate as long as you have the vital signs of life, right? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how it is for me. I don't know my exact birth certificate of when when Jesus saved me. But when I was five years old, I remember having a, a crisis where I was really um, awakened to just how serious uh, this whole thing with with Jesus was, that that Jesus really is the Savior, that we really are sinners, and that apart from Him, we can do nothing. And um, I ran into my parents' room and terrified, and I wanted to be in Christ's kingdom. I said, I want to be with Jesus. And they were so loving and, and sat with me and talked with me and comforted me. And eventually that night, I began. I, I ended up praying and, and saying, Lord, please forgive me for my sin and, and save me from my sin. I want to follow you. And I, I remember that night, I, I um, went from being in despair and kind of fearful to having overabundant joy and just being exuberant. All I want to do is read my Bible. I had my little bug-eyed Bible, actually the same Bible Felicity has now, That's so great. which is super cute. Yeah. Um, and we call it the bug-eyed Bible because all the characters have bug eyes. They're just big old eyes. Um, and my parents would look back at that time and probably say that's when they think Jesus changed me. Um, but for me, I really relate to what you said last week, Ginge, about growing up in a Christian home where you struggle right. to know, is this my head or my heart? Mm-hmm. Um, do I really love Jesus or am I just doing the motions? Like I said at the start, you know, I wasn't like out in the streets, you know, with the gangs and the hustlers and on the corner. I... I was going to church on Wednesday, going to church twice on Sunday, uh, combing my hair, dressing nice, Sunday's best. You know, it's like just a pretty tame life as in a Christian home um, with parents who who rightfully so um, raised us going, no, you're not going to be, you know, out there selling drugs and hanging on street corners. So I, I grew up for years, uh, began wrestling in my early teen years with knowing, do I really love Jesus? Or am I just kind of walking through the motions of this whole thing. Um, and there's a few things that I think contributed to that. Um, I, I had some friends that, you know, obviously friends start getting into stuff and and you start having uh, new temptations as you're, as you're growing older and you start feeling the peer pressure. And and um, so I started feeling some of that and, and desiring some of that. I wanted to fit in as a kid. I wanted to, you know, I had a lot of friends playing soccer and stuff who were in public school. And so um, I didn't want to be the weird homeschooler who didn't know what was going on, yeah. you know. Um, and so I think some of that led me to uh, kind of compromise some of my morals um, because I just kind of wanted to fit in. And so I struggled with that for some years um, through my early teen years until around actually two days before my 15th birthday, I had another crisis moment where I'd really let a lot of sin and basically deception and pride grow in my heart. Um and I had actually planned a, a big party uh, for my high school soccer teammates um, and was going to throw a big party, and it got busted, and my mom found out, my dad found out. Um, and through that whole event, I I really was awakened to just how serious my sin was again. I feel like for some years, I had just kind of fallen asleep to that and was just kind of going through some motions. And I just remember really being struck by, wow, I have really let pride and deceit kind of fester in my heart. To the point where I have no problem lying to my parents. Now, that's serious, you know? Um, and so I, I, it really hit me hard. Mm-hmm. And I remember crying out and saying, oh, Lord, save me from this sin. And at that moment, I thought, 
if you would have asked me then, I would have said, I think the Lord just saved me. Like, I think he just opened my eyes and shown me how beautiful Jesus is. But um, that didn't mean the struggles went away. I, I still, for the, the rest of high school, beginning of college, really wrestled with some things seriously. Um, and in college, just kind of got into the normal, you know, athlete, party scene, drinking, uh, being foolish. And there was another moment when I was 20 years old um, that I got into some serious trouble, um, was out drinking with a buddy, um, with some other friends, ended up getting into a fight. This was halfway through my sophomore year of college and ended up getting arrested just because I was being an idiot, really. I was, um, my buddy and I got into a fight with some other guys. He ended up actually getting knocked out. And the police came and were actually trying to help him. <laughs> and I was belligerent. And I actually, uh, I think it was technically um, harassment. I harassed the police officer. I grabbed his arm and, and was being foolish. And he arrested me, rightfully so. Um, and that was another moment of awakening for me. I remember sitting there, half drunk, in that holding cell, head in my hands, thinking, I can't call myself a Christian and live like this. I either need to live for Christ or not, but I can't do this halfway thing. Um, and babe, here's what I realized was happening. I had gone into college thinking, okay, I'm not going to let um, this whole college party scene get to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to my guns. I'm going to be straight-laced. But that's the wrong mindset because it was, it was just, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resist mindset. But, you know, equate that to a soccer game. Imagine if you're playing soccer and you're just thinking, I'm just not going to let the other team score. What's the best result you can have? It's a zero-zero tie, right? Yeah. Because they so don't score. You're not going to win. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to win anything. Yeah. And that was my mindset going into college. Mm. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go to this party. I'm not going to get drunk. Mm. Okay, you know, I'm not going to give in to this temptation or that temptation. Well, Jeremy, what are you going to do? Mm. And I re realized at that moment, I need accountability. I need um, spiritual leaders in my life who I can look up to and, you know, Again, I had allowed a lot of deceit to fester, so my parents didn't know any of this, mm. um, which was really sad because my parents were there for me. You know, yeah. they're sweet, kind, gracious. Oh my goodness, my dad would have driven up, you know, the three or four hours to college and met with me and said, "Son, I'll do anything to help you." You know, mm. um, he would have been there for me, but I, I think I was too ashamed, mm. honestly, to let him know, let my mom know. I didn't want to make them look bad. Mm. Um, I didn't want to be, you know, oh well, his son. So I just kind of kept everything hidden, which was not healthy. Yeah. And I'll just make this note here, I guess. One of the things I've learned, um, and Scripture clearly teaches, um, but certainly in my testimony, is I, I grew up knowing the right things, and I grew up knowing how damaging sin can be. And so um, I was I was really uh, aware. I don't want to I don't want to you know slip down the slippery slope of sin. But I also didn't want to bring shame to my father as a pastor, which is something that I think a lot of pastor's kids can relate to. If you're listening and you can relate to this, maybe you can send a message or something, um, maybe share kind of your story, because it's a pressure that we can place on ourselves. My dad never came to me and said, don't mess this up for me, son, you know? Oh, yeah. He, he's so gracious. Yeah, one of the most gracious yeah. men in the world, literally. Yeah. I don't think there is a more gracious man in the world. <laughs> Line him up. But um, he never pressed that on me and said, okay, make sure you perform today at church or make sure you don't mess up. But I pressed that on myself. Mm. 
okay, I see who my dad is. I see that he's respected. I see that he's a godly man and, and he's pastoring. And so I can't mess that up. And so instead of kind of being open about my sin, I really just said, you know, inside my own heart, okay, I can beat this. Okay, I'll defeat this. Okay, I'll get over this. Just don't let anybody in. Don't You don't have to tell anybody, mm. which is just really naive, honestly. Um, because like moss, sin grows best, you know, in, in the shade. I think moss grows in the shade, right? In the damp, cool, mm-hmm. yeah. um, dark areas. That's where sin festers and grows and, and it gets out of control. And so for me, I was trying to fight these internal battles um, and not using the means of grace that God had given to fight those battles. Mm. Um, means of grace, like Bible reading, like prayer, like fellowship, like church, like accountability, like mm. Christian friendship, like being a member of a church, baptism, the Lord's Supper. These are all means that God uses to give us grace in our life. Mm. So for instance, the Lord's Supper is something we we take at church, and it's a remembrance ceremony of what Jesus has done for us. Well, that gives grace to you. Why? Well, because as you're thinking of and remembering that Jesus Christ died for you and rose for you, that rec- shows you and 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 uh, makes you aware of how, how wicked your sin is. Mm-hmm. Jesus had to die for it. But also how victorious you can be in the gospel because he's conquered that sin in his death and resurrection. And so... Mm. You know, as you're taking the Lord's Supper, you, God's actually using that as a means of grace. Same thing with church membership, people to come alongside you and encourage mm-hmm. you and, you know, challenge you. And so I had really kind of shut off all the channels of grace in my life. It is amazing, even in your story, though, to hear how even in those times where you you were not um, walking in obedience to the Lord, that you were convicted of your sin. So many times I remember you told me, you said you would, You'd be um, thinking about going somewhere, or doing something, and then but you'd be so convicted of your sin, and so even that the Lord's grace in your life. I think even just sharing um, your parents, sharing and instilling truth in you from Scripture, from the Word of God, and over all those years, that definitely was still ringing in your mind, even if you weren't walking with the Lord at that point through all that time. And so I think that. Um, for Christian parents, you know, like we want to instill in Felicity and this other little girl, just, we, you know, our other daughter, we just want to instill in them the truth of the gospel and then um, pray for them, of course. But you just see that um, it's, it's amazing to see how the scripture was in your heart and the Lord didn't let you get away from that. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I, I look at that and I do give thanks for his grace because I never was really able to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I never felt like I was a fish in water with my yeah. sin. I always felt out of place. Even when I was partying in college and really got to my lowest mm-hmm. where I was drinking heavily, um, I, I, I just remember thinking, this isn't fun. Mm-hmm. Like I f- kind of felt like I was um, walking through quicksand. Like it wasn't yeah, I just didn't feel like a fish in water. And I've always looked back on this, babe, and I've thought there's two ways kind of theologically to understand this. You know, I, I said I had that moment when I was five, that moment when I was 16, the moment when I was 20 and arrested. Um, and I, I look back, I go, I don't know when the Lord really transformed me. 
what the Bible calls regeneration, what Jesus called in John 3, the new birth. I don't know exactly when that happened. When, when my heart of stone was made a heart of flesh, Jesus uses that metaphor. Um, when I was raised from the dead, Paul uses that metaphor. Um, I, I don't know exactly when. And I look back sometimes and I, I think I can explain my life um, one of two ways. The one way is, you know, I never enjoyed my sin. I was kind of always trudging through it, drudging through it, I should say. And um, Proverbs 13, 15 tells us that the way of the transgressor is is hard and it leads to ruin. And so I, I could have just um, been experiencing, you know, here I was, I didn't love Jesus, but just the reality of sin, sin is hard. A life of sin is not fun. It's got moments of fun. It's got moments of pleasure. Sin is pleasurable, um, but ultimately, it's it you know kind of it, it might bites you in the back. It it doesn't prove to truly bring joy. It's never truly satisfying. And so, for me, it could have my misery through those years of sin could have just been that I could have been an unbeliever, didn't really love Jesus, but I was just having a hard time. And then he saved me. Let's say at sixteen or twenty. Um, the other theological explanation is Hebrews chapter 12, where we're told that um, we should not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And the father's discipline of his beloved children eventually produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And I could explain my life that way too, where here I was kind of running into sin kept being persistent and knuckleheaded. But as one of God's beloved children, he kept disciplining me, which he always did, never let me get away with it. And eventually it produced in me the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And, you know, that's kind of the testimony of my life. I, I, I began after that arrest um, really seeing a lot of growth in areas where I wasn't before. Um, I began a Christian uh, outreach on my school, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I got involved with several pastors in the area and and began meeting regularly and having accountability. And um, I, I really began seeing a lot of growth in, in, in various areas where sins like drinking and, and otherwise have had um, gripped me in a way. And so from that point on, you know, halfway through my sophomore year, junior year, senior year, um, going to Syracuse where I began my master's, I, I saw a lot of growth. Um, not perfect, you know, def definitely not. I had, had uh, moments of, of falls and, and difficulty and trial um, and weakness and, and definitely not perfect. But, but I was pursuing the Lord in, with a zeal, with an, uh, um, an earnestness that I wasn't previously. Um, that was a huge turning point for me. And um, it's interesting because my story uh, kind of takes off there in the sense of um, when I when I left college, I was obsessed with playing soccer. It's all I ever wanted to do since I was eight years old. Um, eat, sleep, breathe, dream, everything soccer. And to the point where I was so determined to become a professional that I didn't even have an alternative plan. I went to college. I literally chose the schools I went to based on soccer purely. Um, was not interested in academics. So I was, you know, I was fine at academics. I, I was a good student, but... Um, I was there simply as a stepping stone to the professional sports world. And so I accomplished that dream, signed professionally in Finland, which was a great stepping stone to bigger opportunities. But it was there in Finland that I began feeling this heart change. And all of a sudden, this desire for ministry starts creeping into my heart. 
where I was, uh, there's a group of Christians there whose common denominator language was English. And um, I kind of assumed just naturally a leadership role amongst them and um, really began feeling this burden to preach the gospel and to pastor. And you can imagine, I've worked my whole life to be a professional, and here's I'm at a great stepping stone to either different leagues in Europe or coming back to the MLS in Finland, and, and all of a sudden I have this overwhelming burden to minister, and I actively tried to suppress that. Mm-hmm. I was I was thinking, no, I can't minister right now. I need to focus on my career. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it only was a matter of years. I ended up coming back to New York. Then I went to Texas for two years and played. And by the end of those two years in Texas, I knew that I had no desire to play soccer anymore. I, I purely wanted to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an interesting change in my heart because I went from this obsession with with the sport to really um, having that obsession transfer. It didn't just evaporate. It just seemed like it transferred to ministry. So the same energy and the same passion I was giving to play the sport was now what I was investing in studying God's word and preparing myself to preach it and pursuing him in holiness. And so it was a fascinating kind of shift in my life uh, took place during those years. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I I love hearing the story um, of just how God's led you and um, even just knowing the man that you are now, I really... Um, I'm so grateful you just continue to point me to Christ every day. And when I'm having a hard day or um, just, you know, wrestling with something, just pointing me back to the truth of God's word. And I think that's one thing that I really saw in you from um, when we had first met. And I had heard so much about you from Ben and Jess. And just throughout the time I've known you, you've always had such a love for Christ and just a hunger for his word and a love for the people of God and um, just an attitude of wanting your heart to be right before God. And I think that's something that um, I really admire about you and I want all the more just my heart to be that way on a daily basis. And so I think it's something that um, I'm really grateful for in you as an amazing husband and you're just, yeah, everything and more than I could have asked for. Oh, thanks, babe. That means a lot. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for you too and the grace that God has shown in your life. Um, you know, it makes me think of, of Jesus' words in Matthew 11 where he presents the gospel and he presents himself as the Savior. Um, and he, he tells uh, the people in Matthew 11:28. 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, that's really the story of, of my life. I know it's the story of every Christian, but as I look back over the years, I see the effects, the effects of sin on my life and, and how miserable it was when I was just pursuing my flesh. I was just pursuing temporal gratification. I was pursuing things that ultimately would never satisfy, like what the prophet Jeremiah calls uh, broken cisterns. So like these, these, these giant uh, jugs of water that you're trying to drink, but the bottom's broken out and the water just is going out the other side. That's like what it was pursuing uh, my sin. 
Moses called it in, in Hebrews 11. He, he calls sin pleasurable, but he gives an adjective. He says the fleeting pleasures of sin. You know, the author to the Hebrews says Moses chose to, to know Christ and to uh, be with Christ's people than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And sin does have pleasure, but ultimately it always bites and it never satisfies. There's always a hangover the next morning. Um, there's always that, that pain that comes from broken relationships when we pursue you know, sexual lust or whatever. There's, there's brokenness in sin. And it's it's weary, and you know we feel a lot like the um, the 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 preacher in Ecclesiastes who's pursuing satisfaction in all these things and discovering all his vanity. It's like chasing after wind. I can't catch it, and so Jesus comes along and he says, "Okay, you you want to be satisfied? Are you weary? Are you laboring? Are you heavy laden? Has this world beat you up? Has it chewed you up and spit you out? Has sin?" over-promised, under-delivered, well, come to me and I'll give you rest. There's a really cool uh, saying, I forget who said it, man, I wish I remembered it right now, Um, but basically, you know, Plato and philosophers, none of them have ever said, come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. Uh, There have been a lot of ideologies and a lot of philosophies and a lot of brilliant men and women through the ages, sages, if you'd like, who have have shared wisdom and imparted truth. Um, But who else has said, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul? That's something that Jesus and Jesus alone promises. And we are weary and heavy laden. I was weary and heavy laden with my sin just feeling like I'm drudging through this, going, I don't want this anymore. It's miserable. It's over-promised and under-delivered every time. I remember staring at my my reflection in the mirror, hungover, thinking, you fool, you've done it again. How miserable is this life? And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, Because Jesus is our master. He's the one we serve. And yet his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And it's a a beautiful reality. Um, Before Jesus Christ, I was enslaved to my sin. Uh, It had dominion over me. Um, I was enslaved to it. I I didn't have a a choice but to serve sin. Um, Listen to what, what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, I just thought of this verse. This is, again, another one that that is reflective of of my testimony. He says in Romans chapter 6, verse 20, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You know, I look back on my life, and we've talked about it, and I go, man, I'm ashamed of how foolish I was. I don't look back on that and go, oh, the good old days. I look back and go, man, what a fool. Um, And it was really because I was enslaved to my passions. But then Paul writes this. This is verse 22 of Romans 6. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, which means holiness, and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And people say, slaves of God, that sounds cruel. Well, well, no, think about it. We're all serving someone, right? Right. 
I'm either serving myself, enslaved to myself, or I'm serving God. And in slavery to myself is horrible. You know, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I don't want to keep sinning, but I can't help myself, even though I know it's going to ruin relationships, it's going to ruin my job, it's going to ruin reputation, it's going to ruin my money, it's going to ruin my circumstances, but I can't help myself, I got to give in. That's slavery. Slavery to God is what Jesus described in Matthew 11. The, the yoke is, is easy, the burden is light. It is a joy serving in the courts mm-hmm. of, of God. Um, and that's really the, the way the Christian life uh, is, is described. Yeah, wow. Babe, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. I don't know if there was anything else that you wanted to add to that. Um, yeah, there's... There's a text I'm trying to think of, and here I think I, I've... Oh, listen to this. This is... Remember when um, King Solomon uh, was visited by the Queen of Sheba? Mm. He's wealthy, the wealthiest king in the world, wisest king in the world, and and so wealthy that people from all over would come and, and visit him, and they'd explore, and they'd want to know, wow, how does he do this? Mm. And listen to this description. The Queen of Sheba comes to Solomon in Israel, and she she is just absolutely awed at what she sees, just astonishing. And she says these words, Blessed be the Lord. This is uh, in Second Chronicles, where is this? Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 8. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you, set you on his throne as king for the Lord your God. Because your God loved Israel and would establish them forever, he's made you king over them. And she gives him all of these gifts and... Um, and, and just lavishes uh, things uh, uh, upon, upon him. And then she says these words, Happy these are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that was interesting. She, she sees King Solomon in all of his wealth and all of his beauty. And she goes, wow, the people who serve you are happy. And for her, that was astonishing. Because slavery in that day, or really any day, yeah. is not a pleasant experience. Yeah. Um, you're whipped, you're demanded, you're told what to do, you're treated as nothing, as less than nothing, you're insignificant, you're unimportant, you're not valued. And so here this, this queen comes to Solomon and goes, wow, look at your wealth, look at your power, look at your wisdom, and your slaves, your servants, serve you with happiness. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is our king, and he's saved us from sin. And so we live for him, we love him happily, joyfully, um, because of how gracious and and loving he's been to us, he is being to us, and he will forever be to us. Mm, That's so good. Yeah. Well, that's my story. Thanks for sharing that, baby. I I love hearing your story. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope it's an encouragement. Um, We're all at different places, you know? I recognize the people listening to this podcast, some of you, you've never explored Christianity before. Mm-hmm. Some of you have been in the Christian church for decades, uh, but maybe you're miserable. Uh, maybe your experience has been miserable, which can happen. Uh, wherever you are, you know, I want to be an encouragement to you. And beyond me, beyond Ginger, beyond us sharing our stories, really our purpose is to say, hey, Look at Jesus. He, he's really gracious. He's really kind. 
so kind, so gracious that he would even save a sinner like me, who's undeserving, ungrateful, unworthy, um, and yet Jesus has lavished his grace on us. And you can have that grace too, but you've got to put down your sin. You've got to turn from your sin and repentance. And, you know, for me, I, I recognized in my story, I, I couldn't have my sin and have Jesus. He, he says, you need to switch masters. <laughs> you need to switch yoke, right? So if I was carrying the yoke of sin, Jesus says, well, now you have to carry my yoke of righteousness. So you can't carry both. So you need to make that decision. Do I want my sin, which is never satisfied? Or do I want Jesus, which will satisfy and give me peace for my soul? And put your faith and trust in him uh, to save you. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love it. Well, guys, um, be praying for us this week. Yes, um, We've please. got a lot going on. Uh, grateful for your prayers that the baby would be delivered safely, mm. right? Yes, safely, smoothly, <laughs> yeah. no pain. No, pain free, pain, pray for pain-free, that'd be great. <laughs> no, I, I think that, um, yeah, we definitely are appreciative of all of your prayers as we've heard from many of you already that you're praying for us, and so thank you. And, um, yeah, we'll look forward to hopping back on here. I'll probably be off for a few weeks, but hope that you all continue to enjoy the podcast. Jer will be back on here. So come back, um, and listen for a new episode, um, in the coming weeks. <laughs> I just may not be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got to figure out a, a co-host. Mm. We'll, we'll see who I can get. Yeah, y'all come back and figure it out. (laughs) See who we we found to join him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, grateful for you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us uh, today on the Hope We Hold podcast. We hope you were encouraged. It is our hope that your hope would be in Christ alone. 